0: Would you rather stick forks in your eyes than network with strangers? Do you get excited about going to an event to meet people, but then when you get there, you only end up speaking to people you already know? Or even worse, texting on your phone in the corner, not speaking to anybody? What about online? Do you know the best tools at your disposal and how to put your best foot forward? We all know networking is the key to success. People have to know you exist to hire you. Whether it's reconnecting with old acquaintances, old clients, or making new ones, Being bold and making genuine connections is a must. Today, we talk to Hustle Up's founder and CEO, H. Schuster, about all things networking and how you can better grow your network. This is the Working Director Podcast, a show that helps you go from emerging filmmaker to working director. As a filmmaker living in Los Angeles, I've directed over 130 projects, including six distributed feature films, all while helping filmmakers figure out how to level up in their careers. I do this show with one goal in mind, to help you become a working director. And if you want to join us for the live Q&A sessions and ask all of your questions, make sure you join our free private Facebook group by going to TheWorkingDirector.pro. I'm super
1: excited to be here. You know, one of the main reasons that, that we launched this company, that I launched this company, was I was often in the seat of hiring people where... Um, I would ask, you know, department heads or or showrunners, whoever, like, let's staff diversely. Why don't you bring people in you haven't worked with before? And, you know, I think most people know this this town is often the same six phone calls to the same six people. And, you know, you feel like it's hard to sort of meet new people when you're in the position of hiring. But also for everybody out there looking to connect with collaborators and jobs and all those things, um, trying to figure out how to be effective in doing that and in in making new relationships that will help you uh, grow as a person and, and as a creative person. And
0: I love that we get H for this talk because you have sat on both sides of that call. Um, have indeed. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about in-person live networking to start just because we are back. Um, I used to be the kind of person who I threw events People thought I was a social butterfly, but I actually had very bad social anxiety. But if I was throwing an event, people talked to me. It was very easy. The problem has gotten worse for a lot of us who've had social anxiety with three years of a pandemic where we've stayed in our houses and haven't gone out. And now events back, it's even worse now. Um, Are there things and techniques that you have when you go out to meet people? Like, are you the kind of person who just walks up and is like, jumps into the conversation? Do you have things, starter conversations that get you going? How do you handle those situations?
1: It's hard. It's hard to put yourself out there, especially when it's a professional setting. I think in some ways professional settings are harder because you have all the anxiety of like being judged and not being good enough. And how do I convince people that I'm talented and all those things, right? Um, I think it's really helpful when you go into a room, if you maybe set a goal for yourself, like I just want to talk to three people. I want to meet three new people, right? Right. Um, A lot of people want to go to events, you know, with a buddy, like the buddy system. I'm like that. I hate walking into a room alone. I'd much rather go with someone. Really interesting. The film independent event, we didn't have plus ones because we had such high demand for for our members to come that we just we couldn't accommodate plus one. So people were walking in alone and you could tell like it was hard to walk in alone. But, you know, what happened was. I think more people talk to new people than they normally do when they have the buddy, right? Um, mm, yes, I could see that. Buddy. I take my wife a lot of places. She, My wife is my buddy. And it's really easy to stand in a corner all evening and talk with her because I like talking with her, but that's not really the purpose of networking. But the last thing I would say is, is, it's always good to start a conversation with somebody new with a question walking up to somebody and saying, Hey, I'm H. That's great. But like walking, up and saying, Hey, how did you find out about this event? Or, Hey, are you a filmmaker or I love your jacket? Like, you know, what do you do? Are you in fashion? Like, you know, whatever. I'm making up bad, bad. The <laughs> idea, you know, asking a question is a way to get somebody talking about themselves and then you can find an entry point. You can find a way to connect with them where they are as opposed to kind of coming at the conversation. I was at a, um, I was at a mixer, for a tech event um, recently, and um, I was in a group of people I didn't know any of them. We had come together and we started chatting. It was some some folks from banks and some folks from venture funds, and me and a few other people that were founders. And this woman walked up and and broke into the conversation. Somebody in the in the group of four or five people was actually talking. This woman broke into the conversation and said, hi, I'm so-and-so, and my company is this, and here's what we do, oh and what what do you guys do, and can you be helpful to my company? And we all kind of went, uh, well, uh, that sounds cool, uh, you know, tell us more, and she talked for about two minutes and ascertained that no one in our group was of interest to her, and then without even saying, okay, well, nice meeting all of you, but well, she just turned and walked away, right? Now, everybody has their own social anxiety. Some people have a harder time with social settings than others, but I think, to whatever your capacity is, You want to kind of come into a group of people in a thoughtful way, maybe not interrupt, maybe not talk over people, maybe wait for a break in the conversation, which can be awkward. You're standing there and you're waiting to like say hi to a group of people. But, you know, like you want to you want to ingratiate yourself to people you haven't met yet. Right. And and ask a question rather than just kind of saying, here's who I am. How can you be helpful? Got to go. You know, that's that's probably not the best way to to win friends and influence people.
0: I've been teaching my working directors that. You really got to approach it as you want to make friends. Because if you go in there, like, I need to make, I need to find someone who will hire me to direct, you know, I need to find someone who will pay for my project. It's always going to come off as desperate and you're always going to be uncomfortable. You're going to make everybody else uncomfortable. But if you go in looking for that genuine connection, I think
1: you never want to approach any interaction as purely transactional, right? I mean, there are some just don't do's. Don't ask for a job. Don't constantly pitch your idea. Don't you know? Immediately ask them to read something or watch something, right? You want to create a personal rapport. Um, I had lots of business lunches when you know I was working, uh, uh, you know, at a studio and other places where the entire lunch was just catching up on your family, catching up on your vacation, catching up on whatever. And maybe at the very end of the the conversation, I would say to the network executive or whatever. Hey is there anything you're looking for is there a need that you have that like I could take back to my team and we could come to you with something you really need I would ask it as a question that was helpful to them right it was additive to them as an executive like what are you looking for what do you need not hey I have these 12 ideas can I pitch each of them to you right because that's there's really no point in that you're burning a lot of of social capital when you do that you want to ask people what their need is and then try and bring them what they need and I think along those lines, I would al- always suggest that when you're talking to somebody that you think is really um, a valuable person to you in terms of who they are, or what they do, you know, ask for advice rather than asking for a favor, right? It's always great to say, hey, I have this dilemma, I have the script, I'm not sure what to do, what do you think? Or, you know, hey, you've worked a lot in this genre, you know, I'm I'm, I'm wondering if, you know, if, if this is a good strategy or whatever it is, right, to, to ask them for their expertise rather than uh, asking them to do something for you.
0: That is such a great point. And that's what I always tell directors do is when they send emails out, it's like, ask for the advice. Don't ask if you can shadow, ask how the, ask something specific that sh- shows that you believe in their expertise and their, I want to go back though, to the, to the being of service because you talked about how can I fulfill their need? And that is so important. And every time we're thinking about ourselves We're going to, there's a million things going on. Oh, what if they don't like me? All this, all the mind trash goes on. If you walk into a room or send an email or have a phone call going, how can I be of service to you, other person? You're asking them questions now. You're trying to find out about them and it's not about you anymore. Which uh, Shia says, um, what if the other person doesn't ask me questions? How will they get to know me? And I would like to say, who cares that they get to know you? You get to know them. (laughs) That's the best way to be networked. When you ask a
1: question and somebody gives you an answer, there's an opportunity for you to say something about yourself, right? If you say, "What do you do?" and somebody says, "I'm a filmmaker," me too. I, I work on thrillers. What do you do, right? Um, I love romantic comedies. You know, what kind of films do you make? You know, there's a way to there's a way to to add uh, content to the conversation, but but have it be conversational. You know, the other thing I would say just about being of service is I think it's really important. Um, to be generous, to, to not just ask people about, you know, their lives and, and sort of about themselves and, you know, make it, make it about them, but also to actually help other people. I, I had a, a, a thing that I would do where whenever, uh, somebody got let go from a position, right. Whenever I knew that they had a, as they say, ankled in the, in the trades, um, I would, I would call them right away or email them right away. And I would say, Hey, you know, let's have lunch next week. Let's grab a drink next week. I love that. I would take them out and I would say, you know, this really sucks. Like, how can I be helpful? Right. Um, and, and, um, people remembered that for a long time, they would, you know, inevitably be in another job. They would be in another role, whether I helped them get there or they got there some other way. Um, and you know, it built a lot of, um, real rapport and, and, and real, you know, camaraderie because, you know, when you you get let go from a physician, uh, you suddenly fall off of people's call lists very quickly. Um, and so, you know, reaching out and letting people know that you're there for them to be helpful when maybe they're not in a great place in their career
0: um, is really valuable, too. Like if I post something on Facebook, for instance, it's like, you know, major news and everybody suddenly come out of the woodworks. Congratulations. Do you need to hire me? Like gross. Why didn't you come to me when I had nothing going on? Those are the people who are getting those first spots. So absolutely right. what you said. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. We're going to now switch to online networking because it is so important to know how to reach out outside of your circle, um, how to present yourself. Uh, H, where do you even want to start with online? Do we want well, to start? With- I would love I to think- say one other thing about in person before we make yes. the move. Um, you know,
1: I think I think the, the only thing I would say is, as you know, we've said, like, don't always be pitching yourself and all that. But I, I would sort of say the, the the counterintuitive version of that, which is that you're always pitching yourself. You're always presenting yourself. There's never a moment when you're not. So, um, you know, even though you may not be saying, I'm awesome. I did this. I did that. Here's my CV. You, you want to remember that you're making a first impression on people um, and that people are uh, assessing who you are. You know, I think there, Malcolm Gladwell said, you know, the first seven seconds we've already decided, right? That's not a lot of time. Talk about your successes, not your failures. Don't blame other people. Be positive, not negative. Uh, and the biggest one I have is don't trash talk or gossip. Um, this business, people think gossip is power. They think that leaning in and saying, did you hear about blah, 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 um, is powerful it's not. Um, it will destroy opportunities for you. Um, even if you think in the short term it's been helpful, it's not. This is a business of repeat players. Even the people you don't like, even the people you don't want to work with, they stick around and they wind up in new jobs, in new places, sometimes the desk right next to you. Um, and you don't want to be the person they know was trash talking them or spreading a rumor, whether it's true or not about them. Uh, It's just it's a really good policy to not engage in that, even if the person you're talking to is doing that or is soliciting
0: that really good
1: policy to not to not go there.
0: Okay, so online, I do think that most of one of the most important things that I teach my directors when they're trying to sort of revamp and get out there is that their entire online presence is spotless. No negative, what you're saying there, no negativity on social media. Um, No complaining on social media. It should be business. It should be you're a rock star. It should be you're supportive of other people. Your bios need to be the same across everywhere. Your photos should be the same across everywhere. It should be easy to find you and know who you are. Especially for people who are nervous in a real room
1: with real people, uh, you know, Online is great for network building and reaching people you wouldn't necessarily meet in person. And it accelerates your network growth. It's super powerful. You can, you know, build connections through connections. You can promote wins and successes. And and as Jen said, be positive and and, and put yourself out there. Um, We at Hustle Up do that for our members. We promote member wins for them and put that out on our channels and say, hey, look what what our awesome members are doing. You know, your profile really matters and you want to build a really robust, really professional profile. What Hustle up's trying to do is to give you guys a place to aggregate all your information and present it in a way that's meaningful to you. But obviously LinkedIn is another tool. Uh, a lot of people are using Facebook for networking. What I would say about using Facebook or some of the other more personal social media is it gets a little fuzzy, right? I think this is what you were saying, Jen. When you start to network on Facebook or IG, and maybe you're also talking about what you ate at the restaurant that night um, or... Uh, you know, political uh, positions that, you know, are important to you, things like that. You want to just remember, you know, how are you using each platform, right? Hustle Up is very explicitly a professional platform, as is LinkedIn, where you know you're kind of talking to other professionals in a professional setting, and what you're putting out there is going to be, you know, highly professional. My IG is a lot of pictures of food, uh, and, uh, and, and museums. Right. And, and so you, you, you might, you might network with me on IG, but that's not really
0: what I'm using it for. Right. Um, and, uh, One thing I always tell, like, I I just did this with my husband. He wanted to DM somebody in the industry. He didn't know. And I was like, well, let's make sure your Instagram is like, let's look at everything there make sure all looks good. Is your bio up to date? Is your picture up to date? Because this is the first thing. If someone goes to your page to see who you are, Everything needs to be perfect. I mean yeah, to perfect, but as best as you can have it. And I love it, I always want sort to of point out hustle up. I haven't seen the full website page yet. Yeah, we just um, launched yeah. it about three weeks ago. It's brand spanking I'm new. Amazing. I actually was looking at it thinking, I would almost use that as my website because it's got cool. everything it's very, is very cool. yeah. I love that. And so yeah. that's why you can
1: copy a profile link, you can pro- copy your own profile link, or you can copy someone else's. Um, and you can share that information out. So if you wanted to paste your link into your link tree, if you wanted to paste it into an email to somebody, if you wanted to paste it uh, on Facebook or or LinkedIn, you can share your profile to hustle up. And like I said, non-members can come in and look at that one page. Um, we do redact your uh, creative pr- uh, portfolio. Um, they have to join to see a creative portfolio because. Uh, we respect the sort of IP privacy of our members. So
0: now we let's you know we have a profile, we have our websites clean, we have everything's ready to go. We want to reach out to somebody through social media or via via an email and send links. Um, as someone like yourself who has sat on that uh, the, the sort of executive side, what do you? How would you want someone to approach you in that situation? Obviously, we we said don't ask for jobs, uh, try to ask for advice. Are there, any, is there other things they can do to try to network that way? It's really challenging to do a cold outreach. And I think the thing you don't want is to just say,
1: here's my script. Will you read it? Um, and there are a few reasons for that. One is, as most of you probably know, a lot of studio and production company executives, agents, managers won't read unsolicited material unless you sign a release. And that's the fastest way to get somebody to block you or to kind of shut you down. Um, it's a lot better to sort of cultivate a relationship with somebody than, uh, than to, uh, you know, just barrage them with a submission or with, um, you know, asks that are, are not reasonable for somebody you've never met. We have community guidelines on Hustle Up specifically to help people with this. You know, be relevant, be, be respectful of people's time. I, I, I host a podcast called Hustle to The Big Break. And it's really talking to people in the industry, um, that writers, producers, directors, execs, about uh, managers, agents, about how they got their start in the industry and how they've grown their career and their advice for people in, in their professions. You get one shot, right? You're only going to get one shot. If you ask somebody to read your script, to look at your reel, whatever it is, um, that's going to be it, right? So you want to make sure that you, A, have the best possible material and B, that you're asking them at the right time in the evolution of your relationship with them. So definitely not a cold email, hey, will you read this? Here's the link. Or here, we watch this? Here's the link. To be prepared to take feedback graciously, right? And not everybody is gracious in the way they give you feedback, right? Uh, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. Stop emailing me. Like You might get that, right? Hopefully not. Uh, and by the way, their opinion might be wildly wrong, uh, and you're going to have to figure out a way to make that a generative piece of feedback to make it productive in some way to take something away from it. I have received network notes where it literally said, "Are you an idiot?" Um, oh that, was, that was literally those were the kinds of notes I would redact those sentences. If people have gotten network notes, they know this was not an uncommon thing. Uh, you would redact those before you would share them with your team because you were like, "I'm not going to show my team this, you know, incredibly, uh, uh, you know, unprofessional and painful note." Um, but, but I think the flip side of that is if somebody gives you notes and takes the time to watch your thing or read your thing and gives you notes, especially if it's somebody you don't know very well, um, take the feedback and and make it generative. I recently was asked by somebody to watch a cut of something and I watched it and I spent a lot of time formulating my ideas and I said, okay, let me, let me give you my thoughts. And then she, she said, oh, well, actually we're not taking any more notes on this. And I was like, okay. And then was asked to watch another cut and was like okay. Let me give you my thoughts, and it was like oh, actually we're not we're not taking notes on this. And it's like okay, well that was a huge waste of my time, and you're also letting me know you don't really value what I think. Um, so that's kind of a lost opportunity, right? I wouldn't I wouldn't suggest doing. Uh, making an ask like that if you aren't going to like hold yourself open for what they have to say. And and the other thing I would say is really avoid spam, right? Even if you've met the person, even if it's a follow-up from a meeting, when you guys finish a meeting, you should always write a series of notes about the meeting, what the person said, what they didn't like, what they did like, whatever it is, and action items for follow-up, right? And try and follow up within 24 hours if you can, right? If they say, you know, send me the deck, send them the deck. If you want to make tweaks in it, stay up all night making the tweaks and then get them the deck, right? Don't say, oh, I'll get to the tweaks over the weekend and send the deck next week because the trail has gone cold, right? Um, And and so stay top of mind. But that said, don't then send another email two days later, have you read the deck yet? And another email three days later saying, I I haven't heard back from you and I wanted to know if you read my deck, right? Uh, People are super busy in this business. It might take them two weeks to get back to you. Um, So always, always follow up with a purpose, right? Always reach out with a purpose. Like, You know, try not to give people the, hey, what's up? Just checking in uh, DM or email, right? Like follow up because, hey, I have a new show that's going up at a theater in Hollywood. and I was really hoping to give you VIP tickets to come for free. You know, let me know if this night or this night works. That's a reason to message somebody as opposed to kind of a a general email that might be construed as spam.
0: When you're cold reaching out, if you're cold emailing, you want to be of service to them. Do not ask them to be of service to you. I get, I'm not even that high level. I'm like, just like, whatever. And I get emails every day, Jen, can I this? Can you do this for me? Like, if I did that for everybody, I wouldn't have time for myself. So how can you be of service to me? Then people know this. People have reached out to me to be of service to me. I then feel like I owe them and I help them all the time. So be of service.
1: Also know who you're talking to. I can't tell you how many times I would get a cold outreach saying, uh, dear Mr. Scoozer, and my name would be misspelled and it would be yeah. the wrong salutation. And it would be like, I know that you currently work at Netflix. Nope, I don't work at Netflix. You just pasted that in and didn't change the didn't change the location of where the person works, right? Like you have to be really careful. I've done it. I've sent out bulk emails where I'm sending it to 30 people. You know, go through that email, make sure you have the right information, the right person, the right everything, right? Um, and that you're you're really being thoughtful about that outreach, even if it's a cold email.
0: I also, on that note, you, you got to be personable in your email. I don't yeah. want a dear, sir, dear sirs, which I, I I get that too all the time. I'm like, you haven't, even, you haven't even taken two seconds to look at my company website to know yeah. there are no sirs here. Yeah. Chris says, how does someone that has a creative mind with zero networking possibilities get a shot? I'm assuming when you say zero networking possibilities, it means because you don't live in los angeles possibly maybe you're in a smaller town um there's always networking possibilities first of all and we i've actually worked with people in smaller towns to, to become black magic cha- uh, collective chapter leads to bring film people together That's great. one but uh Asia's talk about that like how can people who aren't in a major film city reach out and connect with those that they want to connect with yeah uh, hustle up. I mean, that, that's really true, right? I mean, we, we aim to be a global network. We're not there yet, although we do
1: have people in Canada and in Australia and in UK and some folks in Israel and then some folks in, in, in other corners of the world. I I think, you know, um, online networking is really useful for that. Um, and I think what I would suggest is build your best calling card, whatever it is, wherever you are, if you're a writer, it's easy because you can do that on your own. If you're a filmmaker, go find some local people through hustle up or through black magic collected and make a short film, you know, start to make stuff like making stuff, you know, in our profession, it doesn't matter, you know, how, how, great your personality is, how, you know, how how great your clothes are, any of that. What matters is is like, what are you making? Like, right? Like, like, you know, are you making something that is of value and that is exciting for buyers, for collaborators, for representation. So make something great, right? Because then you can, you can use that piece of of content and you can put it out there in a lot of ways now. You can go to YouTube or Vimeo, you can post it on Hustle Up, you can do a lot of things um, to get stuff out there. And, and then you have the ability when you reach out to people, um, you know, and they say, well, what have you done? You know, or who are you to share a great profile, to share a great piece of content that you have built out. So do the work of building out your, your great profile, you know, hustle up LinkedIn, wherever it's going to be of of building out your great content. that That's going to be your calling card. You can add that to your hustle up profile. So it's already there. Um, and, and then you have a way to, to really, uh, come into the industry, even if you feel like, oh, I, you know, I can't buy a plane ticket and travel to L.A. There are other ways to share that content um, and, and get it out there.
0: Uh, and I would say if you can afford to travel a little bit, go to some of uh, some really good filmmaker friendly festivals like L.A. has dances with films and filmmakers. They're friendly with filmmakers. They have a lot of social gatherings. Filmmakers want to talk. It's definitely a way to um, start to network in a way that's a little easier, more comfortable than, say, going to the Mrs. Mazel finale party, uh, so, <laughs> um, which now we're going to get to a higher level festival because John asks, I'm going to Cannes next year, and I'd love to know what the most effective strategy to reaching out to people online about setting up meetings. I know production companies and agents take up residence and hotel rooms for meetings. Have you done that whole thing? Can- I have, I have been in Cannes and
1: it's, uh, it's chaos. Um, and, and there are no, there, there, there are no res- reservations, restaurant reservations to be at. Um, you know, I think, um, some festivals are more, uh, are tougher to break into than others, right? Um, festivals that are truly a marketplace as, as Can tends to be are truly a marketplace. You have a lot of big players there, that are brokering deals about finished films, right? Um, and there are a few festivals that still feel like that. Cannes is probably uh, one of them. Cannes clearly had its share of controversy uh, this year. Um, but, but, you know, a lot of people who are in those hotels, sitting in those bars or in those uh, hotel suites, are there because they are film distributors, they're studio execs, they're agents and managers, they're filmmakers with finished films that are either in the festival or they're hoping to use the festival to sell. Um, so if that is you, uh, John, I think it was John, if that is you, John, um, then I would say the best thing you can do is try and have uh, uh, somebody who is a rep, even if they're not your rep, even if it's a friend of a friend or a friend's rep, or somebody who uh, knows that market to help you with maybe some friendly introductions based on the piece of content you're trying to sell or or get, get uh, noticed. Um, other festivals are not as much of a market and they, 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 or if they're a market, they also have a very social component that is more accessible to younger and, and more first time or more independent filmmakers. Um, you know, I would include Sundance in that, South by Southwest. These are festivals that kind of take over a city or a, or a town. Uh, it can those two, but in a different way. And, and there's a lot of opportunity to network in person and meet people, right? And just meet people at an event, at a bar, um, you know, Find a hotel room that you can afford. Go for the weekend, and and if you can't afford to buy a badge, badges can be expensive. Try to get some tickets to in, individual screenings. Uh, try to try to you know go to some parties, go to some bars where you know a lot of people from the festival are hanging out. South by Southwest, we were just there. We did a we did the opening night party for Bottoms, the new film by MGM and Elizabeth Banks' company. uh uh, brownstone who's a partner of ours uh and we held the opening night party for bottoms uh at their festival premiere which was a lot of fun it's a lgbtq film uh with rachel senate and a lot of other great folks um and you know a lot of people came to that party who were associated with the film but we also opened it up to filmmakers who were there with other lgbtq projects uh, and we had a line down the block of people who were trying to get in, uh, which was which was awesome, but also frustrating because with a lot of people who were associated with stuff at the festival were like, "This is awesome! I want to be at this party with other people who are making stuff like me." Right? Um, so, so find those ways to network, uh, even if it's around the fringe of the festival. Right? That's how Slam Dance started. Slam Dance started because people who couldn't get into Sundance created Slam Dance as an alternative festival. At the same time, uh, they overlap now. Slam Dance is its own thing, and you apply to get your your film into it. But, you know, those are the opportunities as a as an up and coming filmmaker that are great.
0: John, you're on the right path about um, being in, in advance, trying to connect in advance to set up meetings. I mean, it's Absolutely. kind of the same thing that H was already talking about. Like, don't you know email with some very specific, exciting, short, concise thing to get their attention. Um, and who knows? They may be like, I can't set up a meeting now, but talk when we get back. So. There's, and, it doesn't hurt to reach out if you have that thing. You have a film. You have a, a reason to email.
1: Find the connection that is not transactional, right? Um, Sarah Goldfinger talks about this in her podcast uh, that, that that I did with her. She's a, a writer who was an executive producer on CSI for many years and now develops and and writes for for Netflix and other other uh, uh, other networks. Um, uh, Sarah was a, a graduate of Hampshire College. And when she came to L.A., a lot of her cold emails and her cold calling were about, hey, you're a Hampshire alum. Um, And, you know, I just graduated from Hampshire and I'd love to get your advice. I'd love to hear your story about how you broke into the industry. Uh, If you have time for a coffee, I'd love to buy you a coffee. Right. Usually they bought her the coffee because she was a nanny and they were a showrunner. Um, but you know, it's that offer. Like, I'd love to buy you a coffee and just hear about your story. Right. A lot of people are super patient. If you come from a network that they're part of, that they care about. So, um, alumni institutions, whether it's your high school, your college your graduate school, those are great. Like go look at what are the films in that festival? Who are the filmmakers or the writers or whoever you're trying to connect with the producers? Do I have an association in common with them? Did we all go through the same college or did we all did this person grow up in my hometown and go to my high school? Did this person, does this person maybe know somebody uh, in my network on hustle up? And I can see, I can connect the dots and I can say to that person, would you make an introduction to this person? He's going to be at, uh, at can and I would really like to have coffee with him or buy him a drink uh, on the croissette, right? Like you can, you can find ways to, 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 uh, to, to find a way that people, it's not a cold email anymore. Now it's an email that is coming from somebody that, they might take an interest in.
0: Jen, would you delete things from your Insta that are personal so it's only professional or does some personal stuff show your character? I'm the person who tells you that it should be 90% professional, 10% or less personal, and the personal should be character building. Absolutely. I don't care that you had tuna for lunch, but I think it's hilarious if you, I don't know, slipped under a car and you decided to show (laughs) us. Like, that, we want to see your character, yes. Like, you'll see a lot of mine is like, It'll be business, 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 and then some new Harry Potter hat I got, something. Uh, H, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, my my uh, my senior in high school daughter would tell you, oh, just get a Finsta account. I learned what Finsta was uh, recently because it was actually on uh, uh, somebody somewhere on HBO this week, uh, and I was like, what's a Finsta account? She's like, yeah, exactly. Uh, but, uh, you know, you can't have more than one Instagram account. You can have more than one Facebook account. Like, if you want an account, it's all pictures of your cat you could do that right and share that with friends right and and just make that the account where you do that right but i think if it's an account that um that you know is going to be partly professional you want to try and do things that um are are reflective of who you are
0: in a positive way for those of you watching you probably need to have a public account that's professional h has a different story she's got a very long history um for those of you who are trying to build a career, I need to find you. And I will tell you, it's been so many times, especially actors, DPs, I will go to your Instagram, your Facebook. I will see who you are as a person. I will see what kind of stuff you post uh, before I ever hire you. So keep that in mind. A uh, Lilith asks, any advice for reclusive writers? I'm assuming that means you don't go out, you don't want to do anything, but you need to meet people. <laughs> you want to do a quick touch base on that one H I think there was a time in my life when I was a pretty reclusive
1: writer I I enjoy nothing more than being in a closed room maybe my dog my dog might be with me and 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 spending the day writing a script and you know 10 hours later I realize it's dark outside of where have I been that's great like that is a great strategy to get great content going, right? Like if you're a writer or, or, or for that matter, an animator, whatever it is, like if you want to sit in a room by yourself and create stuff, or, you know, you're a filmmaker and you want to get together with a small group of people and focus just on that. Great. But then you have to figure out what you're going to do with that content to be able to to make a living with it. Right. And, and assuming that's your goal, that might not be your goal, but um, you know, it's the, it's the part about monetizing what you're doing, where you are going to have to find a way to connect with other people I think for people who are really uncomfortable doing that online is a really good way to do that. You know, building a really, really good online profile and really using online to build out a network of people. And then, you know, sometimes what can happen is when you do that and you build out a network of people, you find the one or two people who live in the same city as you that you actually want to meet IRL, as my teenager likes to say. Uh, and and then you meet them, and then all of a sudden you have a little group of collaborators, and then. You know, those two people might introduce you to a couple more people. Like, I moved from New York to L.A. I I knew two people in L.A. pretty much. um, And I very quickly joined a nonprofit organization called Write Girl, which was a volunteering organization where uh, female writers mentored high-risk young uh, teenage girls uh, through writing. Uh, And I met uh, somebody who had become a really good friend of mine through Write Girl. She was also a New Yorker, and she was there, and she was already working as as a screenwriter in L.A., and then she introduced me to a whole group of people that she knew from AFI. She had gone through AFI, uh, and she had a whole like, you know, uh, a, a cohort of friends that were really close that had all gone through AFI together. And then all of a sudden, they all became my friends, right? Um, and I'm, I'm, you know, 25 years later, still the only non-AFIer in that group, or one of like two non-AFIers at the party, you know. So, so there are ways to, you know, start with maybe one or two relationships where you don't feel like you're walking into a room cold. And it can plug you into a lot of a lot of other people.
0: It just reminded me of something I always tell directors who are trying to network and I forgot completely, which is volunteering in organizations outside of the film business. Yeah. If, especially if it's an organization that, you know, like if you're a director and you want to be working in the studio system and you know that certain studio heads or, or producers or showrunners or whatever are in a certain organization, volunteer there, meet people. Uh, volunteer in volunteer film festivals that's a great way to meet people and have a reason to talk to people so volunteering is a very very good way to do that john asked what about american film market in santa monica i don't think it's a networking thing but we can talk briefly on the best way to handle that h if you have a quick answer for them
1: yeah i'm sorry i was asking about the film market in santa monica
0: yeah. Like I guess they're asking, is that a good networking opportunity? I don't, I would not call that a network opportunity. That's more business. Meeting.
1: Yeah, AFI, uh, AFM is really a trade event. Um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the, the, the distribution events are very geared toward people buying and selling and it's probably not the best use of your time unless you're actually trying to sell something and, and selling something at those events really requires uh, a level of representation. Um, so I, I would say, you know, there are probably other places that are better spent networking, joining an organization, joining, obviously, Black Magic Collective, which you're already a part of, uh, you know, joining Hustle Up, like joining things where you can meet people across uh, collaboration and colleague and, and you know, buyers and sellers, but but probably not exclusively like a transactional market.
0: Danielle asks, how do we do any of this right now during the strikes? And I'm just going to say, first and foremost, go pick it with your writers. Show your support. Get out there with the sign. You're going to meet so many people. And it's not just writers out there. Producers Guild's out there. SAG's out there. Directors Guild's out there. Uh, so that, right away, you can be helping and networking. Look, this strike has a lot of solidarity across
1: the unions, which is uh, it, it's different from previous strikes where, where maybe there was not complete alignment. But I think the Directors Guild is going through its own negotiation. SAG is entering its negotiations. They just did a strike authorization vote. Uh, or, or they're doing one. Um, you know, it's, it's a tough time right now for people coming into this industry because um, there's a really serious recalibration of how people are going to make a living. Um, and that's good for all of us, right? Um, but it is challenging with the strike that more stuff isn't getting made right now. We have a bit of a, of a slowdown. Partly that's because production companies and studios, well, not really production companies, studios and networks and streamers are, are, you know, in the middle of belt tightening. Um, and so, you know, this is, this is sort of coinciding with the strike. Um, so it's a complicated time. I'm sure all of you have read stuff about this in various publications and and there are a lot of takes on it, but my, my number one thing is, um, there's never been more community in this business than there is right now among creative talent. Right now, all the guilds are holding regular information sessions for their membership. Uh, Any picket line is open to you if you feel that you want to go and and stand up with the WGA. The PGA is organizing those events. SAG is organizing. The SAG Act is organizing them. I believe the DGA is now organizing some of them. And I think there are a lot of networking events that are still going on despite the strike. I think everyone's trying to be really respectful of not working and not crossing the line. But there's still a lot of people, you know, networking and doing stuff. And you can still make your own stuff. Just to be clear... The strike rules are that you can't be be uh, performing work that you're getting paid for by uh, uh PTP, but you can still write a spec script. You can still work with your writing partner to get something going for a pilot. You can still do a lot of things that are getting ready for presenting great work when you're done.
0: John says LinkedIn was a social media of choice because it was strictly business. Now it's full of unprofessional content and conduct. What's a viable professional posting only today? Well, obviously we've talked about hustle up. <laughs> Has a lot I mean, of a lot to not allow
1: any negativity or or bad stuff in the community. Um we've really built a community that I think respects those guidelines. Um yeah, you know, LinkedIn's hard, right? At scale, there are just a lot of people using it. And so, you know, not everything that gets posted is professional anymore. We're really trying to keep our community focused on collaboration and 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 uh you know professionalization. So um, hopefully we have very little of that happening um, we're a lot smaller than LinkedIn and we're focused on a specific industry um, but but the goal is to keep it a place where you guys want to show up
0: I'm still a fan of unfriending and blocking people who are negative so you will <laughs> n- never see that negativity in your feed my yeah. Facebook feed is lovely a couple of
1: people I had to block on the Facebook during during a few elections yeah Oh, yeah. You find out
0: who your people are. It's like, thanks for showing me your true colors. Just no, that's so not controversial stuff on your professional profiles, right? Just don't. Just don't. Um, unless you make political documentaries, then post all day. This isn't our last question. I know you guys have so many questions. I knew this would be a popular event. Thank you all for attending. Shia says, I hosted a video event in Bre- Vancouver last week. I want big names for next year. How can I authentically connect with these people so they would consider speaking? And the reason I want to say this for last is because it all goes back to you are helping someone else. I I had no problem reaching out to H to say, would you come do this and talk about Hustle Up, this platform you want to speak about? And in turn, now she's helping us by let's talk about networking. It's so easy to I've I've reached out to huge, huge names for podcasts for Black Magic. They usually say yes. We've had giant showrunners come talk to our women filmmakers for the initiatives because we've just asked, you know, would they come speak to these women? And here's why we think they're amazing. It wasn't a form letter. It was very specifically why they were amazing. H, I'd love your final thoughts on that as well. Yeah, that I think I think that's exactly right. Look, there, there are some folks who command a,
1: a hefty fee to do appearances. And those are the folks that are going to immediately say, talk to my agent. And when they say talk to my agent or my manager, you know that you can't afford them. Uh, If this is, you know, a a gratis appearance, if you explain to them what the impact of their appearance is, are they helping, you know, fellow Canadians? Are they helping fellow cinematographers? Are they helping people who are up and coming in the business like they were at one time? Right. You can you can find a lot of ways, a lot of hooks to make people excited about helping you with an event uh, and, and, you know, imparting their expertise. Right. Their advice to people.
0: You guys have had great questions. Thank you for joining us for this whole hour. Thank you so much, H, and we will see you all next time. Thanks for listening to The Working Director Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and review as it helps others find the show and helps us keep making great content for you. And if you want even more help with your directing career, check out TheWorkingDirector.pro, where you can apply to be part of the accelerator that hones in on where you currently are and helps you get to where you want to be. Whether it's this podcast, The Accelerator, or our free Facebook community for directors, we're here to help you get to work.